people think they can talk to people without respect, without thinking about what you say to other people, if it's going to affect them mentally or what's going to do to their esteem. From my understanding, empathy, you can look at it from two angles. So we have the intellectual empathy and then we have the emotional empathy. I, I like to differentiate between empathy and then sympathy. In empathy, you can sense or feel the emotions of other people, right? But with sympathy, is you, you have pity for the person. But when it comes to empathy in general, we understand something to a certain extent, but does not mean that we are suppressing the natural inclination towards empathy in order to just confirm with whatever the rhetoric. Welcome to Dr. Tove's Corner. Welcome to another episode of Scatterian. To Scatterian is to articulate thoughts that are all over the place. And in this episode, we will be Scatterianing about empathy, how society lacks or how society embraces empathy. If you're new to the channel, make sure you subscribe, like the content, and leave your thoughts in the comment section below. I'm your guy, Toves. And today I've got some special guests with me, very deep thinkers. Today I have a deep philosopher, I like to call him. Prince, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Happy to be here. I'm excited, yeah, man. Honestly. <clears throat> Yeah, it's good to have you. And I also have another deep philosopher, Mr. Traveller, <laughs> Ajala Traveller himself. Please welcome <laughs> Mr. Professor Morris. Morris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's good to be here. I'm, I'm sure we'll have a great conversation, so looking forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully. I like that everyone is smiling already, so we'll keep the conversation light, even though it's a deep one. We keep it lighthearted. That's it, really. So let's jump straight into it. Now, there's this phenomenon on social media, and not just social media, in real life as well, where people think they can talk to people without respect, without empathy, where they say what's on their mind. Yeah, we encourage people to be free, express yourself, but mm -hmm. how about thinking about what you say to other people, if it's going to affect them mentally or if it's going to, what it's going to do to their esteem, you know? So my question really is, who teaches people empathy? Is it something they learn growing up? Or is it something about society or do they just misunderstand what free speech means? I'll start with you, Morris. Okay. When it comes to the subject of empathy, um, I'd like to break down that definition a little bit because some people define it in various ways. So let's break down what that means. So from my understanding, empathy, you can look at it from two angles. So we have the intellectual empathy, and then we have the emotional empathy. A lot of the time when we talk about empathy, people often refer to emotional empathy. And that kind of involves a deep feeling or emotional reaction. And this uses reason rather than thought. Okay, And what happens is you resonate with how someone feels. And that actually happens as a result of mirror neurons in our brains, which kind of helps us to understand other people's emotions. And as a result, if we could relate more to it, then chances are we're going to understand and feel empathetic about that situation. So that's the emotional empathy part. Then the other empathy is the cognitive or intellectual empathy that actually involves understanding the perceptive or mental state of mind through a, a perceptive taking process whereby there's this 
imagination or mental flexibility when it comes to looking at something through someone else's eyes without feeling emotional or getting too involved or having to experience it yourself. For example, Mm -hmm. if we look at the current state of affairs around the world, so you look at impact of wars on civilians, a lot of us haven't really experienced war personally, but we can, you know, think about what it means for these civilians that are affected by these wars and crises. So there's a little bit of distinction there. While we have the intellectual uh, aspect that has to do with reasoning, thinking about without having to feel what the other person is feeling, we have the emotional and that emotional sometimes, if not checked, could result in the situations whereby because of how you're feeling, Mm-hmm. It can have an impact on how you react towards that thing. But we're going to look at several other frameworks when it comes to understanding why, the what causes it or the why of these aspects. But we'll just leave it there for the time. Wait, before we leave it there for the time and I okay. come to you, Prince, just a quick one. How can people have empathy without feeling? Because empathy in itself has to do with trying to understand the other person. To understand the other person, you have to feel. So I don't know if, I know you try to separate between cognitive and emotional, but it's difficult to say someone is empathetic without feeling. They can have sympathy. You can have sympathy without feeling anything, but I don't know if you can have empathy without feeling or, yeah, that's that's the question. You can, I think you can, were you going to say something? No, go for it. Why are you done? Okay. I think you can definitely have empathies without feeling so when we say feeling here what we're referring to is you haven't experienced it or you don't experience it the way the other person does so what you're doing you're using your imagination to put yourself in that person's position and that way there is a lot of thought processes behind that instead of you know and sometimes don't forget emotions Sometimes we have was what we refer to as emotional clickbaiting, especially mm-hmm. in social media, whereby something can be, you know, put forward towards you that isn't true. But then because you feel this deeper sense of emotion or connection towards it, you just react to it. So this is where intellectual what's it called empathy comes in, whereby you don't feel it. Or you think about it and there's a thought process behind and there's a rational decision making when it comes to that your response to it so that's my take on it i don't know what you think prince hmm. all right yeah go ahead prince yeah the question was the can people how can people have empathy without feeling yes um, that was the second question, the second question. Yeah, we'll go from there and i'll take you so, back to the first one the first yeah. one there's, there's a, the first one is almost like an essay so maybe we can I'll just comment on, I'll comment on this and we can go back to it. How can yeah. people have empathy without feeling? I don't even think that's possible from my perspective. I think if you have empathy without feeling, this is the only way I can make sense of it. I think I, I like to differentiate between empathy and then sympathy. There's a difference, but I like to always point it out when we have these conversations. And empathy, you can sense or feel the emotions of other people, right? But with sympathy, is you, you have pity for the person. So when, Mm. if one has empathy without feeling, I can't rationalize it, but the only way I would think about it is maybe they are able to do what they have. Maybe it's cognitive empathy. They can understand what their worldview or their perspective or they can 
empathize with them cognitively, but not on an emotional level. That's the only way I can make sense of it. It's either they have sympathy for the person and they are not empathizing with the person, or they, if they are empathizing with the person, then it's their cognitive empathy. That's how I can make sense of the, the second bit of the question. All right. I think I'm with Prince, but we'll come back again. We'll circle back to this right. empathy and sympathy and feeling. But the question, the initial question was, where does this empathy come from? Is it society? Is it the way they were raised? Is it like, basically, is it like family versus society in general, like in schools and the kind of friends they keep, what they watch on social media, the religious teachings? Is it family-based, individual-based or society-based? I think that's the kind of the first question I was asking. Let me give it a shot. I'm going to paint a black and white picture. I have a, I look at it from a more a dualistic point of view. Isn't there, it's, what you're asking for me is still the same nature versus nature question. Are people yes. born that way or in society? Because all the other entities you mentioned, family, religion, and religious um, system, the society, I would put all of them under the society. They're all different social institutions. People, how do people learn empathy? I would take with the, the classical answer that we are born a certain way and society shapes us. So maybe we are born with some empathy in us. Unless individuals are considered psychopathic or perhaps nature has done its thing on them and they cannot be deviated devi from the, the normal quote-unquote human being. But I would think people are born with empathy in them, right? But then society shapes the extent to which whatever you are born with is um, magnified, right? So we are all born empathetic to a degree, but then as whatever society we are in would shape, you know, how empathetic we are or how the extent to which we, pra we practice our empathy. And I'd like to give this example. Say two individuals born, in my view, born, if you have two people, okay, one born in America, one born in, let's say, Japan, right? And this, they may both be, empathetic, let me say 50% for the lack of a better example. They are both 50% empathetic. But then whilst the two, these two individuals live, if they would even be two, they live in these societies. Whilst one lives in America, another lives in Japan. I think the Japanese culture, because of Buddhism, they are very, they are high on empathy as con compared to the American culture, which I find to be quite mechanistic, capitalistic, and it's more individualistic, right? So we are born empathetic to me. We all are born empathetic and Society shapes that. Society either dims it or magnifies it. So that's how I tend to look at it. There was a bit of free speech in what you said. Whether people cannot engage in free speech, which is why they are not empathetic online. With them. No, so, uh, no, so I was saying like people's misunderstanding of free speech, just saying no. what they want, not thinking about how it's impacting the other person. Right. People practicing yes. free speech without empathy. Exactly. People practicing free speech without empathy. I'm not sure whether that's a, what that is what democracy is, because you, are able to, you should be able to say what you think and how you feel, and then yes. in, in the confines of what is permissible, and then the other person should be, <laughs> should be able. Maybe that's democracy. Maybe that's cyberbullying. But in my mind, there's also mm -hmm. free speech without empathy, which is um, inconsiderate. Cyberbullying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that's a long way to answer the question. I hope it, it yeah, happens. yeah, it makes sense. I was looking at Morris's body reaction. Is like he's, he's saying, no, I'm not agree with No, I, no I, I definitely agree with it. I think yeah. if society values empathy, then people would conform to it. And that kind of relates back to the theory of 
information conformity, which basically say that people would adopt the attitudes and behavior of the groups in which they belong to. So let's say you are a you're a Christian and you grew up in with certain religious beliefs or practices. And as a result of that, because you believe that is true, informational conformity suggests that you would basically confirm to that. So what that means is that a lot of the times there might be, because you believe something is true based on your group you're associated with, you would then have some level of intolerance for anything that goes contrary to what you believe it in certain extent. I would say that kind of relates to society, what the groups that you associated with, what the belief system that they have, and that kind of feeds into how empathetic you are about the particular situation. Hmm. I think it makes sense in terms of informational conformity, but then what I can draw from it at the same time is, yes, even though we are using society now loosely, within society, there are sub-societies as well. People pick who they listen to, people pick what they say, their own beliefs from that individual society. So for example, UK is friendly or there's no discrimination for LBGTQ, for example, whereas I think Nigeria and Ghana, I can say, because they are not so <laughs> empathetic or sympathetic to LBGTQ plights. Definitely. But at the same time, within the society in Nigeria and in Ghana, there are some people that are empathetic to those that are LBGTQ, and there are those that are not empathetic to LBG, LBGTQ. In the UK, where there's that freedom, there are people that are also sympathetic and empathetic to LBGTQ plights, and people that are not empathetic to L- LBGTQ plight. Now, which takes me back to what the point that you raised, Maurice, in terms of you can be, some people don't have the feeling. They've not experienced it, so they might not have that empathy. They can, you call that intellectual empathy. They they hear it, but they can't really feel it. So the question now I have is, how deep must you feel it? Must you experience something to be empathetic to someone else? So for example, I brought up the LBGTQ community. I'm sure I'm just speaking myself. I'm not a mem- I'm not a member of the community of LBGTQ. I've not experienced it. I will never experience it. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I don't have empathy for them. It doesn't mean I don't understand their the struggles. It doesn't exactly. mean I don't understand what they're going through in terms of when they say people are looking down on them. They're not having opportunities. People don't want to talk to them. People don't want to explain to them. People look like so. The question is, must you experience it before you actually know, before you actually have that empathy to people? Must you be fat first before you understand that you shouldn't be rude to a fat person? Must you be gay before you understand that, okay, I shouldn't be rude to a gay person? Should you be a pastor before you understand that I should be empathetic to a pastor? Should you be an imam before you're empathetic to someone that is an imam? Should you be a beggar before you're empathetic empathetic to people that are beggars? So yeah, that's that's the question. Yeah, my, um, okay, Morris will come in. It's just, no, nah, for me, I'll just say, no, you don't have to experience it, really. And this is why, because from my perspective, and I like what when Morris gave us that clar- clarification, that distinction from the get-go, you don't have to experience it or be it to be able to empathize with them. So from my perspective, most empathy is cognitive empathy, right? We understand it. It makes sense to us. 
the the rational argument supporting whatever position that is makes sense to us but mm-hmm. we may not have the experience it. there's no way we would experience it we cannot possibly see ourselves in that position okay and to me that is where education comes in which is something we'll speak about later you don't have mm-hmm. to be it you shouldn't have experienced it you shouldn't be in that situation but you should have the capacity to detach yourself from your particular um, perspectives and way of your upbringing and whatever you are used to you should be able to detach yourself to i've forgotten which philosopher that said it that an educated mind is one that is able to entertain an idea without necessarily accepting it okay so you should be able to empathize without being it if you've been it i feel like it makes that easier or if you are it makes it easier or you've you you are it or you've experienced one way or the other it makes it easier but I particularly think, because there's so many things I empathize with, I have no experience about it, and there's no possible, there's no way I see myself being in those positions. And the example I would say, the LGBTQ one is quite sensitive now, because in Ghana, there's a bill that is in, in parliament, but they're trying to make it, well, they're trying to criminalize them practicing the, those in that community. So I don't, mm-hmm. it's quite sensitive at the moment. But the animal rights, community it's a group that i quite empathize with them when they make they go on campaigns about people not eating animals etc i'm pescatarian 80 percent pescatarian and i eat all sorts but i their, their arguments make sense to me and i empathize and i you know i take some of the things they say but mm-hmm. i don't see myself like being completely like doing what they are doing going on campaigns like vandalizing yeah. restaurants etc but and you don't abuse them either I do not abuse animals either. I do not. Yeah, you don't abuse. I'm not saying you don't abuse animals. You don't even abuse those that are campaigning. Either. Those like yes, those are yeah. Because yeah, I think that's the that is the thesis. That's the theme of the conversation. People don't understand something. They don't want to educate themselves about something. But all they do is just abuse the other group. Yes. Without empathy, they don't try to. They don't even try to sympathize. Not talk about empathize. They no. just hear something. It doesn't conform with what I know. So all I'm going to do is just call them more, call them idiots, call them crazy. Basically, for lack of a better word, poop on them because they don't have the belief. They don't have my ideology. So Morris, yeah. where do you come in, in this? I think when it comes to empathy, emotions can be contagious. I think that's another tiny aspect that we can explore. And sometimes because we have a situation whereby people around behaves a certain way. So for example, you have a situation whereby someone has a different political ideology to you, right? And you're most often in that circle whereby the information you get pretty much reinforcing your original beliefs and whatever your ideology is. So what happens is that can be essentially contagious and it could get to a uh, situation whereby that could have a, a negative impact, I would say, on whether or not these rhetoric, for example, you're in a political space and there's this ideology. I remember during the, the last campaign in Nigeria where most people essentially tap the obedience as being violent on social media. If, if you don't agree with, if they don't agree with you, then they'll basically just insult you all the way, mm-hmm. which is not always, obviously the minority or the negative always finds its way. Yeah. And that's what people uh, are attracted about negativity. Yeah. yeah. But again, but that happens, but again, but what happens is because 
there's this influence whereby because the people around you are experiencing this similar uh, feelings in a way, then all of a sudden people tend to react to it. And as a result of that kind of leads to a situation whereby you are then undermining the other person's opinions or ideas without even factoring in what their own perceptives are or how they view the event. So that's also another aspect I just thought of chipping in. So that's one aspect. But, but, but when it comes to empathy in general, I think if we go back to conformity, which is similar to what we talked about earlier on, would we then say that, yes, we understand something to a certain extent, but doesn't that mean that we are suppressing the natural inclination towards empathy in order to just confirm with whatever the rhetoric around that situation is? I don't know what your takes are. Okay. Prince, you want to go first or should I go first? Please go first. So empathy is not conformity. You don't have okay. to conform to empathize. Empathy, by just by the definition of the word, is just to understand. You know, I give the example. I don't have to be LBGTQ to understand what the LBGTQ people are going through. I don't have to be obese to understand what the obese people are going through. I don't have to be super mostly to understand what is the ideas of the super mostly people. And Prince already mentioned it. Education is understanding without conforming. So... I can understand people's plight, but I don't have to insult them. Just because I don't agree with someone or some group of people does not mean I should insult them or say what they are saying is rubbish, what they're thinking is rubbish, or because they are telling me what they're going through, I have to conform. You don't have to conform. You can understand and let people be. Because at the end of the day, we are all individuals. We all have our own ideas. We all have our own goals or what to achieve. So if there is this mantra, live and let live, why can't you let other people live? Why do you have to insult other people because they are not you? They don't think the way you think. And why do you want, why do you want them to conform to you? Because most of this, most of any group that is activists, they're not asking people to conform. They're just saying, see us, understand what we are going through. Please let us also be able to live the way you're living. Let us be able to have our own ideas the way you have your ideas. I don't have to conform, but I can be empathetic without just being insulting. That, that's what I have to say to that. I don't know if Prince wants to chip in there. No, I completely agree completely. with everything you've said. I Sometimes I think, I don't know, my, my thoughts around this is not so well formulated. It's something like my views on it are evolving, so I don't really want to speak so much about it per se, but I think it gets to, there's a, a degree to which society must be um, open-minded and be more tolerant of other, right? Especially societies that all societies, but I find that some societies are more open to conversations and some societies are more empathetic than others, right? I think, I don't know whether it's the extent to which that, the economy of the country is developed, the extent to which mm -hmm. the, the bulk of the population are educated. I don't know whether it has to do with class, the social class that the people belong to. I have no, I don't know, but I think there's an element, there's something that some societies are able to do, some agents of society are able to do, which is engage in free speech and um, open conversation where there's tolerance and there's like understanding and acceptance of um, other people's positions without necessarily conforming. 
Yeah, I was when you were say, so talking, I was wondering, especially when Mo, um, Morris gave the example about the obedience, I was mm. wondering whether I could say, let's say some less, de- less developed countries are less open-minded compared to developed countries. But then I go on Twitter and I see what the bashing that goes on Twitter and I'm like, can I even say that? But yeah. some societies are definitely more open-minded. There are some conversations I'll be able to have with my friends in the UK, as opposed to my friends in Ghana. They don't, they don't, they don't even open them. I don't even want to hear it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. They don't you want know, to hear it. Don't even get- I had a similar conversation with a friend of mine just a few weeks ago, and we were just talking, and the issue of LGBTQ came in, and then obviously he's Nigerian, and mm-hmm. you know how Nigerians could be charged up about issues mm-hmm. like that. And the guy was like, and he's Catholic as well. He said, mm-hmm. I heard that the Catholic church is going to whether they've approved it yeah, or they Church are of going England. to Church of England. I don't know. He said the Catholic the Church, Church oh, is okay. considering in the media that they they are allowed to now officiate same sex marriage. Yeah. yeah. So when he and he was so angry, he was like, "The day they do that, he's going to stop going to church." And I was like, "Interesting." Hmm. Have you asked yourself why? And I was trying to probe him to get the answers as to why do you feel such emotional attachment towards this issue you've mm-hmm. not i said you've never been gay you've mm-hmm. never you don't even know what it feels like to be mm-hmm. to be gay so why are you so opposed to the way people want to live their life mm-hmm. and i didn't get the answer i wanted or, obviously there's yeah, no answer exactly but yeah but it, it does happen yeah so since you, you're talking about church and bringing christianity into, i don't know about any other religion in new testament who does jesus argue with the most the priests right. and these okay. Pharisees and these Sadducees okay. and all the, he always the argues with the religious good. people because all of the religious people are basically the people like the people now, right? They don't want to change. They've heard this teaching. They will live by it. Two was Jesus chilling with. He was going to chill with Zacchaeus, tax collect, collector. They call him a sinner. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're not supposed to be doing this. It's against. And it was like, Look, it's not what goes into you that makes you to sin. It's what comes out of you. If he wants to follow the whole Pharisee law, he should not be doing that. But he was always arguing with those religious people because he's basically, and he also called them hypocrites. So basically what you think might not be factual, you need to have some understanding. You need to be open-minded. You need to listen to other people. You can't just discard people because your ideology is not their ideology, which is crazy because those are the same people that will have we have most, most of us are like from southern parts of our, our country. So we have more Christian. If you are from another part, like Nigeria, Ghana, you'd be more Muslim. I don't know how that works. But anyways, Arab trade, that's a story for another day. But <laughs> um, you have Christians friends with Muslims. You have Muslim friends with Christians and unbelievers and all those things. But yet, when they come on social media, it's like they've never been friends with any Muslim in their life. They've never been friends with any Christian in their life. They've never been friends with anyone that does not believe in any religion in their life. I think that's what I want to move the conversation to now because now empathy, yes, in real life, you can pretend, you can try to be social and civil, but no one is policing your tweets. No one is policing what your, your Facebook. How come that empathy is lost on the internet, but in reality, it does not seem to be. People are more tolerant in real life that they seem to be online. What's your take on it? I'll start with you, Prince. I think it's the, the social media world has its own dynamics and rules and regulations that govern. Sometimes it baffles like me, right? 
that the shortest way I can make sense of the shortest answer I can think of is that when people are online, there's they're, they're, you can't see their face, right? There's no direct contact. You don't know. Their identities can be concealed. And once people's identities can be concealed and hidden from whoever it is that we are dealing with, some people even have fake accounts. Some people don't use their, their own in pictures and what have you. And so the fact that people can conceal their identity is what makes it possible for them to go online and behave differently than they would behave in real life. So that is it. You get to hide behind a mask, sit behind a computer and then with the Twitter fingers, do whatever, Instagram fingers, Instagram fingers, Facebook fingers, do whatever, say whatever you want. But then in real life, mm. some people may not be about the things they say online. Mm. Yeah, I think the yeah. concealed identity is what's like doing all of that. Right. And Maurice, what do you have to say to that? I think one thing I would say when it comes to this aspect is that let's look at the, I know if we check the research on the people that exhibit this type of behavior, it's predominantly males, right? Mm -hmm. More than females. So men in general would feel free to express rage they would see. and why do we think that's the case um could it be that it has something to do with the way we were raised as infants remember when we were growing up as as a male child you're you're basically encouraged to be a bit tougher i would say if you do not sh to show emotions if something affects you don't cry or you're not supposed to cry and there's even this you're behaving like a girl and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's like from a very early age, males are generally nurtured in a way whereby later down in life, that, that masculinity, that I wouldn't really say aggressiveness, but let's just call it lighthearted aggressiveness, which kind of mm -hmm. displays itself in social media, comes up in future. So I, I think it has some connections. I don't know. I think it has some connections. And that may be something, one aspect that whereby, you know, people as a result of these gender differences, we expect that it is okay to push out our beliefs as facts and in that way what we are then doing is we are ignoring or we're basically devaluing the other person's feelings or emotions and then we're putting us first so i think that stems i'm not saying that it's not also occurring among females but i think mm -hmm. the vast majority of these are perpetrated by males in general so no. that that could be something that relates to childhood development and i don't know right so I guess those males were also not trained properly or did not accept the training because you mentioned about behaving like a girl. They say girls are the ones that talk too much, but the internet is the boys that are talking too much. So I guess they need to go back and be retrained because they're not, I guess, listening. They're yeah. not listening to what they were taught in the first place. I don't know. Maybe they're having selective outward 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 Selective um, understanding. Yes, when it comes to that aspect. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just thought maybe it's something to do with the way we were raised as well. So... Hmm. Okay. Prince, do you have anything to chip in? No, I think um, I find what Morris was showing very you know, interesting. It has gotten me to think a lot about what I've also encountered online. And I find that it's, it's, it's in line with some of the things he said. But no, it just got me thinking, really. There's nothing I would add to it for now. 
Okay, okay. And if you've agreed or disagreed with what we've been saying so far, please make sure you press the like button, even if you disagree anyway. And subscribe. It's free to subscribe. Leave your thoughts in the comment section. I would like to have a session in future where I'm just going through the comments and discussing and debating with you guys. I'm going to post the conversation here so we can have another deeper conversation as a new episode. Yeah, so please watch out for the next episode. People is going to be coming out the following week after this. Um, please like once again, subscribe. Do you want them to follow you on Instagram or you want to promote anything to push? I'm a LinkedIn person. So oh, okay. Yeah, LinkedIn is Dr. Prince. That's that. But most people would they want to. Um, most, I don't know how the extent people are vibrant on LinkedIn, but that's that is what Dr. Dr. Prince on Instagram, I think, and same on Twitter. But what I'm very much interested in is where if people share their comments and then in future, you can respond to it. And that's something I'd like to really know how the extent to which people disagree with what we discuss, particularly those in Ghana, Nigeria, because that's where we are from. Yes, what Ghan most Ghanaians think, most Nigerians think, those Ghanaians and Nigerians that live in Ghana and Nigeria, and then those that live in Europe or the Northern America and all the other parts of the world. But yes. Yeah. Fair enough. And Maurice? I'm always private. But uh, like Prince said, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you could find me, Maurice Sinjika, there. So should be the. I think I'm the only Morris Sinjika on LinkedIn, so it should be easy. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm going to leave all of their socials in the description below. And if you're listening on audio platforms like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you can also leave your comments on our social media at Dr. Tove's Corner on Instagram, Facebook, and X, and at It's Dr. Tove's Corner on TikTok. Until the next episode, use your brain, SCFR. <laughs>